Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Do you find yourself constantly working on your physique only to find no real results? Or are you officially fed up with your lack of progress in weight loss and weight gain programs? Then do I have a solution for you. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Choose from a variety of products including protein, carbohydrates, creatine, pre-workouts, vitamins, and more. Why choose Mecha Nutrition? Mecha Nutrition is a family-owned and operated sports nutrition store located in the heart of Bakersfield, California. Mecca's goal is to provide you, the customer, with the best customer service, nationally recognized products that you know are tried and true, and most of all, they have the best prices around. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact Mecca Nutrition via social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mecca Nutrition. You can email them or you can call the shop as well at 661-695-9061. Again, that's 661-695-9061. I've been using Mecca Nutrition products for over a year and a half now. And for someone with an extremely high metabolism, I can tell you that these products work. I gained nearly 25 pounds of muscle after using Mecca's select products in the protein and carb aisle with products such as Redcon 1 meal replacement protein and carbs, as well as Neil's hookups. So feel free to call the shop or email Mecca's general manager at Neil or Neil at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Rumor has it, if you mention Mecca Nutrition, you may come away with an added discount as well, but you didn't hear it from me. So go check it out if you want to transform your body and get into the best shape possible right now. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. podcast in the world hosted by yours truly jack o'hara alongside kyle borg as we welcome you back into our believe gcu we call it havoc's hangout it is presented by believe podcast network the number one podcast network for all sports in los angeles phoenix and wherever your city is we believe in our teams our team's gcu we believe do you believe do you believe kyle i do believe do you believe i do believe i don't believe you I believe. I believe. We believe here on the Believe Podcast Network that GCU Women's Soccer picked up a win this past week. Their second win of the year, Kyle. It's been over a month since they got a win. It finally happened. And how about winning two games on the year? How about winning your first game of the season and then winning 
your first whack game of the season against on the road against New Mexico State, two to one. It doesn't get any bigger than that. JC Iran Chad picked up another goal. She's been key offensively all season. Twenty eight yards away too. About thirty or so sure. yards. Somewhere look, around there. JC Iron Chad, look at me. Twenty eight yards away. That's a, a rocket of a goal too, right into that upper right hand corner, out past the outstretched arms of the New Mexico State goalkeeper. And even if that is GCU's only conference win on the season, at least it came against the team that nobody likes. That, that's that's uh, that's probably the most truth you're going to hear out of Kyle this entire show. <laughs> nobody likes the Aggies. And uh, the University of New Mexico soccer team, I was talking to uh, one of our SIDs today, apparently they're donezo. They're, they yeah, we have extinct. a couple of their transfers on the men and women's side. Right, They Nick, discontinued their Nick program. Nick Barrero, one of them. Uh, New Mexico, a transfer from New Mexico. Apparently, they're starting to uh, record and film a documentary on that. Oh. So apparently, a lot went down. It wasn't them just shutting down their school. There was a lot to it. So look out for that in the future. I will yeah, be was watching that for sure. No, but there's still a lot of games left. I mean, yes, I think this season is kind of lost in the woods at this point for Coach Leader and the girls. Well, they're sitting at what are they sitting? They're sitting at fifth in the WAC, and the WAC tournament takes six teams. So they're sitting nicely. They're, they're in the WAC tournament. That's what you at least want out of a 2-9-1 start is you would like to at least make the WAC tournament, and they're in position to do so. They got UMKC tonight, and UMKC, despite their o or two ties in conference so far, they're 8-1-4. So that's going to be a tough one for the Lopes. And the, the Lopes, to everybody's surprise, I mean, it doesn't really matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You should be able to win games at home in front of your home crowd. The Lopes haven't done it once this year, which is appalling. Like, that's the recipe for disaster if you can't win games at home. Because if you can't win games at home, who's to say you can win any games on the road? I think winning that game in uh, New Mexico and Albuquerque against, uh, it's close to Albuquerque. Close enough. Las Cruces. Las Cruces. I knew that. Las Cruces, New Mexico against the Aggies. Huge win on the road. Biggest arch rival in the game for GCU. You take that win, I think, do they tie or lose their next game after that on the road They trip? lost one nothing at University of Texas. Okay, so that, that's not a bad game. loss to me. That's just another loss where the offense didn't show up for No, UTRGV is a very good yeah. soccer program, both men's and women's. That's nothing and to be discouraged about. It was yeah. only one nothing, and the goal highlight that I saw, it looked like it went off of Hannah Edwards or Anna Whitaker's head and into our goal. So it, was, See, it shouldn't have even been a goal, really. It's kind of been the story all season long that the offense just really not has played as well as they could have. But that's not a loss you should be discouraged about. one nothing against a very, very good UTRGV defense. Now you return home against UMKC tonight. You'll be on the call. You'll let me know how that goes. If the Lopes can turn around, because they got to win games at home moving forward. they got four home games left on the season. If they can't win a game at home, then... Yeah, they got, they, if they can win or tie tonight, a tie, I think, would be considered a win against this Ruse team. As, like we said, they're very, very strong, have a good non-conference record. They got two ties. One of them came against uh, UTRGV at home, and the other one was to Seattle, so both good teams, and UMKC scored in both of those, and those were both 1-1 ties. But in the Lopes win, you just talked about the offense. In their win on Friday night... They had eight shots and five were on goal. And the difference between the win and the loss was in the loss, five shots and only one. They tested the goalkeeper one time. So when the Lopes get shots and put them on goal, eventually one's going to go through is what you think. And two of them ended up going through against the Aggies, and they needed both of them. So J.C. Ironchad and then Rianne Jones getting her first goal on the season. Shout out to Rianne. Subtle golf clap. <laughs> 
No, but like you just said, uh, UMKC got a huge victory over UTRGV. That's a team that the Lopes offense just couldn't muster anything against, against their defense, that is. Can the Lopes pull out a victory tonight? I think that if they can't win games at home, like I said, the season's kind of <coughs> lost. It's kind of looking bleak at the moment as it is with only two wins on the year, only one in conference. But if you, the one thing you could take a look back at this season is, obviously, what, 16 new freshmen? This four, year? Four, 16 new players, 14 of them were freshmen. Okay, so 14 freshmen, 16 new players for Coach Leader. Had a ton of depth to work with. I think we touched on it a little bit during the season that maybe he didn't utilize that depth to the best of his abilities. He's been season. using it a lot more, it seems like. Right. Which has seemed to work out a little bit more as the Lopes have been competitive in the last few games. As even, they don't, they haven't lost more than two goals a game no, except for the one, except for the one down in Florida to open the season where it was 7-1. to one. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that one. That one was just... And the 4 nothing loss to... Uh, San Antonio at home. Right? San Antonio at home. That's the, those are the only two outliers that have been more than two-goal losses, and they only have one two-goal loss on the season. A lot of them were coming one nothing or 2-1. to one. Right. A lot of overtime appearances, too. That one against Colorado State. They easily could have won that yeah. one in the first overtime. They had their chances, but the offense unable to really connect on that one. And Lauren Garthwaite has just been outstanding in the goal defensively for the Lopes. Freshman goalkeeper, you couldn't have asked for much more of a good freshman season from her that she's had so far, and you hope she can keep it up. No, we've talked to Coach Leader multiple times. She's like, she's by far the best option we have, and she's proven it. She just hasn't really gotten the credit she's deserved because the offense hasn't quite stepped up throughout the duration of the season. We've seen instances where they're about to break out. They have a nice offensive strategy going in, and we've seen a couple of big plays where they can find holes. They just can't pull the trigger, basically, at the end. And they've had leads in a couple of games. They've all, the, New Mexico State was the only game that they have scored this season more than one time. So they have one multi-goal game this season, and hopefully that translates over tonight because I think it's going to take more than one goal to beat UMKC and it's going to take more than one goal a lot of times in conference play to win games regardless of who you're playing whether it be UMKC New Mexico State or Chicago State it's going to take right. more than one goal and that's that's been their supposed Achilles heel this entire season they have not been able to have that huge offensive breakout like we've seen from the men's multiple times this year or in any other sport for that matter. The Lopes need to get going offensively. Will they get going offensively tonight, Kyle? Yes. You're on I'm the gonna call. go out on a limb and I'm gonna say yes right now. That's that's your prediction. I'm who speaking you got? it into existence. Who are you going with? Goal wise? Yeah. Like what's the score or who's scoring? Who's scoring? Who's scoring? I think Cameron Larson gets a goal tonight. She needs one in a big way, maybe two. You'd like to see Iron Shad keep up with it. And Emma Anderson hasn't scored since the first two weeks of the season. Right. She got She's got like two goals. Yeah. She got off to a really hot start, and you'd like to see her score. I'll go Larson and Iron Shad in at least a two-to-one victory. I'll, I'll go Iron Shad just because she's the hot hand right now. She, she got off to a great start as well, and then, of course, the big goal against... She's got two goals on the season as well. So I'm going to go Iran Shad and um, Cameron Larson's a bold take. It's a bold take right there. I'll go Emma Anderson, just because, like you said, she got off to such a great start, kind of slowed down in her freshman campaign, which you would expect in her first year. But look for her to pick it up towards the end of the year. Again, the Lopes, another bold take here. I don't know if they necessarily have much to play for at this point. Just kind of utilize the Jets, see what you got going be, Stay in the WAC tournament, and as long as you make the WAC tournament, it's a successful year. And if you can make a run in the WAC tournament, anything can happen. Anybody can win on any given day. The Lopes proved that their first year of eligibility, they were the, they were the sixth seed in their first year of eligibility two years ago when we hosted the women's tournament. And I was there for that one nothing overtime win against... 
Uh, they knocked out Utah Valley, and they right. almost knocked out UTRGV in the next round. They almost made a championship game their first year. And this year's team is probably better than that team was overall. It's just anything can happen. If you can put a couple of goals together, get a couple of key stops, a couple of calls go your way, the Lopes will be in. And if you want a dark horse candidate for tonight, I'm going Danny Babb. Another bold take from Kyle Borg here on the Bleep Podcast Network. What about um, Sophia Roberts? She's, she's shown great promise so far this year after coming back uh, from injury in those first few games. We've seen her break out for a She's got a goal. Yeah. Only five shots with only three of them being on goal, but one for three, that's not bad. All right, that's who I'm, I'm going to go. Sophia Roberts and uh, Iron Chad. Final score? Two to one. Two to one. I'm going at least two to one. Again, they have to score more than once. It's the Lopes and the Roos tonight at GCU Soccer Stadium. Kyle Borg will be on the call. Make sure to go check that out on YouTube because that's like the number one place to be for college Or sports. the WAC Digital Network. Doesn't matter. Maybe Facebook Live. I think they do that too. So that was women's soccer. Let's talk a little bit about men's soccer. We have a couple more interviews for you guys today. We got Calvin Kissy and George Tesoris. So in two episodes, men's soccer goalkeeper George Tesoris has uh, two appearances. Hot start. You're welcome. Got to talk to them during practice a little bit today, just about their upcoming matchup because it's a huge game tomorrow, Kyle. Whack championship rematch. rematch. And, of course, the Lopes won the first game. So the rematch is really for San Jose State more than for the Lopes. They just... The Lopes would really like a win as they... Their last three games, they're just 1-1-1 and and that road trip for them over the weekend, 0-1-1. So they'd like to get back in the win column. Won a game since they beat Incarnate Word at home. A couple weeks ago. They're still undefeated at home. I think they're now 4-0 at home. 3-0. 3-0. Because the other win came at Santa Clara. Right. Four shutouts. So Northern Kentucky, OSU. And Incarnate Word. And Incarnate Word. Which was a well-played game defensively. And, of course, Mario Sandreu with the game-winning goal there. 1-0, yep. I said 1-0, right? It was was 1-0, yeah. Yeah. You good. Thank you. You're right. Good take. I don't say that very often. No, you don't. That, That was kind of odd. No, but... Again, that last road trip, I, th- I thought they played well really defensively. Obviously, the two goals allowed by George in that second game to come away with a 0-0 tie in the first one. They're battling a ton of injuries right now. Taj Yasuda's been out with that hamstring injury for about two weeks now. Um, a couple of other guys that aren't coming off the top of my head right now were a little taped up and bruised up at practice today. So another... I know. You were, you were I not was there. not there. I was in class. Lane. I had to be a good student today. I'm sorry. You're on play-by-play tomorrow, Kyle. I know. No, but let, let's get to those interviews. Got uh, got the chance to go to practice today. Talked to Calvin Kissy for the first time, and then George Tesoris. George wanted to talk to me a little bit about his spear fishing that he does back home in Cyprus. Caught an octopus. He uh, hunts down deer. But uh, let's take a listen to our interviews with Calvin Kissy and George Tesoris here on the Believe Podcast Network. <laughs> Calvin Kissy, we got George Tesoris. Two for one special here, boys. First things first, Calvin, you scored your first goal in the season. Congratulations. How are you feeling after the road trip? Um, it was a tough, tough road trip. Right. We went there thinking we might say they were going to win. But unfortunately, we didn't get the results we wanted. But um, personally, it was good to get my first goal. But obviously, the most important thing was the wins, and we didn't get those. So, we're disappointed with that. So, hopefully, this home, home games. 
get back in the winning streak. Great team answer. George, how's the shoulder feeling? How was practice today? Shoulder's good, man. You know, it's out of the head. Practice good. Could have been better if we won those two games, but we live with it. I mean, you guys play pretty well defensively in that game, only giving up those two goals. So what do you think was the biggest factor, just not playing well offensively, not connecting well? I think we just didn't take our chances. We created a lot of chances. We played well and we kept the ball really well. We worked on like going out the week. All right. But we just didn't finish our chances. And that's the most important thing. Now, you scored your first ever collegiate goal against Wisconsin last year. They're the number uh, 12 ranked team in the nation at the point. What, what's your biggest takeaway like when you reflect back from last year's season and then this year's season? It's, it's season goes by so quickly. Yeah. And coming out as a freshman, you don't realize how fast things go by. And, how much work you have to put in in such a short space of time. So having that experience, taking that into this year as well, I also uh, take away last year. And uh, you, I, I wanted to talk to you solely because Cassidy was showing me pictures about your spear fishing with octopus, your hunting deer. What the hell is that, man? Uh, I'm a, I'm a man of nature, man. Are you? I can tell. I love nature. Look at him. I know. Look at him. <laughs> I love nature. For real. Back home, I... I try to, any, like, free time I have, I spend it either hunting or, like, doing things that are, can be considered privilege here. And you uh, have a GoPro to record yeah, all that? Yeah. Where you put it, like, on your head? It's, uh, so it comes with a set. It can go on your gun, on your spearfishing gun, on your on your head, on your chest. On the bullet? <laughs> <laughs> Not on the bullet. Can't go on the bullet. That's same. All right, last question. Or both of you guys, because I know you want to get going. Black Championship rematch this week against San Jose State this Friday. What do you think was the biggest takeaway in last year's game, and what are you going to use um, going into this game? Like, what's the mentality going into this game after the road trip, looking for a win? Um, I think uh, this past road trip was a good wake-up call again after Virginia Tech to realize how. How short and tough the season may be if we don't win these two games. Right. So there's definitely pressure for us to win, but um, this doesn't scare us. We we know we, we can bring. You know, we know we're a good team. We know that we can fight and win these two games. And it's sort of the change we made last year that we just couldn't lose, and that's what we have to do again. Just to add on to what you said, it's just we have to hunger. Oh, there you go. We have to hunger. And like last, last year to tell in the season, we needed wins. And as he said, we had to wake up quite early this season, so we just have to push on from there and make sure we get those, those few spaces to get to our championship. content there. Kyle, I know you'll go back and listen to it because, again, you were not there. You were I in class. I was not there. I'm sorry. I'll try and be there for the next one. No, but again, men's soccer tomorrow night. A big weekend all around. Two big WAC games. The rematch, the WAC championship rematch again. The men's soccer Lopes are the defending 2018 WAC champions. They go up against San Jose State. Who can forget the game-winning goal from Alex Rodia last year? Lopes won that game 1-0, and then, of course, you got Seattle, the Red Hawks, coming to town on Sunday. And they're looking for a little revenge, too, as the Lopes went up to Seattle last year and beat them 1-0 thanks to Jackson Jella's goal. 
right? And so the Lopes, a couple of rematches from last season. Lopes that, looking to change history there too. I mean, they picked up the win last year, but they're five and eight, I think, lifetime now against the Red Hawks. I always like those lifetime matchups. Always put them in my keys, but I think they're five and eight lifetime against the Red Hawks. Five, eight, and one. My bad. Hot take from Kyle Borg again. No, but again, a big weekend for the Lopes. They look to get going offensively after a tough road trip. And again, they're undefeated at home. I think the Havocs are obviously going to show out tomorrow night, Friday Family night Family weekend for sure. There will be a lot more. Family people. and faith night. It's, it's going to be a packed house Friday night. That's tomorrow night, Friday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Lopes, San Jose State Spartans. The rematch of the WAC Championship for 2018 only at GCU Soccer Stadium. And we'll both be on the call for that one, as well as Sunday against the Seattle Redhawks. And uh, before we jump over to women's volleyball, since we previewed it on the first episode, March Madness, Jurassic Park, took place last Friday. You were there. Give me the deets. Midnight Madness. I said March Madness again, didn't you? You did. You always say I March Madness. I said it Madness. on the broadcast, too. Yeah, Midnight Madness was good. They turned good. the arena into... <laughs> good. <laughs> Into Jurassic University, so Jurassic Park theme, like you just mentioned. They had a couple dinosaurs come out, animatronic dinosaurs. There was, like, three of them, I think. Roar. Roar is right. And then, you know, they introduced the teams. The dance team performs. The drum line came out. The drum line's routine was really good. The cheerleaders come out, perform. And then uh, Dan Marley and Nicole Powell came out on golf carts, and they almost tipped over a couple times. And then they uh, came up into, like, that middle section of the Havocs right there in 103 and partied with us during the Purple pregame party. And for all students on campus, you know, like, there's just a billion tents out. Uh, 200. Field, 200. 200 over three days was the count that I got. That's about, what, what, what's the, uh, about a thousand students. What's the all-time record there? That. For ten, 200? They broke it last year and then broke it this year with the 200. By, like, a lot. Yeah, I was listening to your interview. I know you didn't think I was, but I listened to your interview with uh, Fitzy, that piece that you guys did for, right, uh, for the during min- rehearsal. During rehearsal behind the scenes. And he was saying, scenes. like, this is obviously the most students we've ever had on campus, so it should have obviously been the best turnout, and it was. Jurassic yeah. University, he said there were a lot of dinosaurs, Dan Morley pumping up the crowd. I saw some of those videos. So if you've never been to Midnight Madness... Midnight Madness. There you go. You should really check it out. It's a great experience. I wouldn't say, like, the... I'd say the build-up is more exciting than the actual event. Yeah. That's probably a fair assessment. Not to, like, spoil it for anybody, but, like, it's a blast. Like, if you've ever been to Lopapalooza, it's kind of like... Is that on steroids? Yes. It's Lopapalooza on steroids. And on, on... Of course, the videos are really well done. And the one big video that they showed, that was probably my favorite video that they that I've seen in three years of going to Midnight Madness. Of course, you can't top Dan Marley's Batmobile entrance last year. Not, no way. But once you do that, you know, how can you top that? You really can. So Dan Marley as Batman. Now, given that the movie just came out, was there a Joker? Was there anybody that he got to beat up, or was it just Batman? No, I don't remember. That was a year ago. See, Midnight Madness takes a lot out of you. It does. You don't remember does. certain things. It definitely does. It's, a it's all over the next day. It's a long day. And go, so it was Midnight Madness on the Friday, and then the Saturday, you had a tailgate party for women's volleyball. So women's volleyball went one-and-one one on their recent homestand. They had a game last Thursday night against the Red Hawks. In they Seattle swept University. that one. Three swept that to one, none. took care of business like it was nothing. Jenny Murillo had a really good game against Seattle. Well, I think I, uh, I referred to it as, like, the three-headed monster. It was Jenny Murillo, Kyra Moss, and Sarah Hagee. All dominated in that game. I think, like, a combined 30 kills between the three. 
Yeah, they def- they had a lot between the three of them, and then they had a really strong net presence. Yeah, with Kubinski and Moss, and even Claire Mitchell, she gets involved. Mario had a couple solo blocks. Haggy's always involved, but the Lopes not always getting blocks. But I believe they had seven or eight total blocks. Oh yeah, over the three games. So that's what you really like to see out of them is playing really strong defensively. Of course, they are a really strong defensive team, and that's pretty much anchored by Tegan DeFalco, who's just jiving all over the place. You sh- just Saturday against Utah Valley. So I was on the call for that one. Every So they end up losing that one 3-1. to one. Not what you want, but every single set in those four sets came down to the wire each time. Just back and forth seesaw action. Between the Wolverines Sets two and the to four Lopes. went extra points. Yeah, it was insanely was the entertaining. Highest, the highest we got up was thirty to twenty eight final, right? Yeah, and yep. given it was March Madness, <laughs> it's not midnight, basketball season yet. It was midnight madness at GCU Arena. Given it was midnight madness the night before on Saturday, the Havocs were as loud as they've been all year long in the arena. Like they were all just jacked up on Stampede. I think it was and free T shirts, free T shirt that doesn't and that free helps. food, free. It was like you got a brat and you got a hot dog. So it wasn't like luxurious. They had good it meatballs. It wasn't luxurious like spread. But the meatballs were really good. The meatball kebabs, yeah. They were they good. Were, I enjoyed the good. meatballs. Yeah, hey, I forgot you were Havoc that day. You were there. I did. I got to be a fan for once. It's been a while. It's weird looking at it in that perspective when you're away from the broadcast table and you're just enjoying it in the crowd with all your friends. Totally different environment. Would have been more enjoyable had they won. But again, like neck and neck, they lost by two scores in each of those three sets. Yeah. yeah. Two points, just two points. They were right there. They had the lead a couple of times in a couple of those. And Tegan DeFalco ended up with 34 digs for the weekend, 22 digs alone in that game. Absolutely incredible. I think it got the number one whack play of the week this week. Yeah, she got the Her digging got that pancake Valley. down to save a point that the Lopes ended up winning. And I remember, I watched that one. I remember, I was paying attention for that one. <laughs> and then K.J. Adams comes away with the kill right after that. But, like, you're just like, oh, my God, like, what a great defensive stab by DeFalco. She was on her Get that hand the out there. Hope you pop it up. And she did. She popped it straight up, which is what you want to do. And then Adams was able to put away. I think it, they stunned Utah Valley a little bit by getting that DeFalco, getting that dig. That's why they came away with that point so quickly. So I think Utah Valley was about ready to get ready to celebrate. I mean, it was inter- because both – Utah Valley and Seattle going into these matchups with the Lopes. They had their number lifetime. Again, I love the lifetime matchups. I think it's a big key to going into the game. 1-11 lifetime were the Lopes against Seattle going into that. 2-12 now with a win at home. They had never won at home before uh, we, Thursday. We, uh, we were talking to Coach Tim Nolan before the game, and I asked him just so abruptly, like, 1-11, what gives? Like, what, what's going on? He wasn't there for all 11, That's but he, he was said. there for the 1. He's like, I was not there for all 11 losses, but I was there for the one, which is probably the best answer he could have given us because now he's there for the two. Tim, if you're listening, I hope your uh, potato is sitting nice and easy. You and the potato. I'll never get over how mine literally went bad. Well, yours was only tinfoil. His was actually wrapped. Yeah, they really took care of his. Mine was just a leftover, I guess. Yours was the backup potato. Lame. You had the backup potato. Now, but go, going into that win against Seattle, or going into the game against Seattle, come away with a 3 nothing sweep. Dominate, like total domination in that game. We mentioned Murillo, Haggy, Moss. Utah Valley's defense did a tremendous job combating the offense of Kyra Moss. She, didn't, she had um, a couple of key blocks in the game, a couple of key kills as well, but she did not nearly have the performance that she had last week in Kansas City when she came away with the career-high 18 kills 
And then, of course, her performance against Seattle U, another dominating performance. I think they held her to four or five kills. Yeah, it wasn't a lot, but she found time to get big, timely kills and blocks, which is what you really want if you're not going to have the 18-kill night, which you're not going to have every night anyway. But, you know, six or seven with two or three blocks is a really good night for a middle considering she's sharing time with Annabelle Kubinski, and they probably split right down the middle in that sense. Oh, absolutely. Annabelle Kubinski also had herself a great weekend. Kind of one of the more overlooked players on that roster when you look at Jenny Murillo and Melody Horton and Kyra Moss. Annabelle Kubinski's done a phenomenal job as well, had great performances against Seattle and Utah Valley. But again, going into that Utah Valley game, after sweeping the Red Hawks, you got to think, again, only coming in with one lifetime win against them. And then they come away with the first set win. You're like, oh, here we go again. They're, this team has just been insane all year long. They now have 13 wins. And going into that game, you just think, after winning the first set, here they go in set number two. And towards the end of that set, they were up by seven, I think, as much as seven going into that set. And then all of a sudden, the Wolverines come storming back. I think they go on a 5-0 run. They went on one 5-0 run and then two 3-0 runs in that set. End up coming away, I think it was 30-28 to 28 in set two mm-hmm. to tie it up, which was the most insanely entertaining match or set in that entire match. And after that, the Lopes, again, they played well offensively. Utah Valley just got the last laugh. You know, 13-3 and three on the season, and those three losses have all really come off of four or five-game win streaks. Yeah. So the Lopes rattle off four or five in a row. And then they'll drop one, which is understandable. So expect them to rattle off four or five more as they go into the road trip today against New Mexico State or UTRGV, and then yeah. Saturday against New Mexico Getting State. Getting ahead of yourself, a little excited. Well, anytime we play New Mexico State, it's it's a party. It's a party, and it's a big one. No. Not as much of a party as it will be in January and February, but Las Vegas, here we come. But again, Utah Valley, I think they went into that game four and ten overall to start the season. Five and ten. Five and so that was five their sixth win. So 5-10 and ten overall, the Lopes 13-2 before they lost to Utah, Utah Valley. Okay, so the Lopes were 13-2, and two, Utah Valley 5-10. and ten. So you think after winning the first set, here we go again, another sweep, at least win it in four. Utah Valley, again, just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. Tremendous defense. They were able to combat both Kyra Moss. Jenny Murillo did get her fair amount of kills in that game. But I think she had a few blocks going against her as well that were key blocks on Utah Valley's side late in those matchups to come away with those wins. So Yeah, Utah Valley just seemed to have an answer for every time the Lopes got back in the games that they ended up losing, but Utah Valley just had an answer every single time. And that's just one of those losses that you really can't point a finger at anybody. Like, nothing went wrong offensively. Like, they did everything they could. It's just Utah Valley just kept coming back and coming back. Just the most resilient performance I think we've seen all season long in WAC play. So women's volleyball, again, back in action tonight. They start their road trip against UTRGV and then New Mexico State on Saturday. It's going to be a party. Let's get into a little bit about spring sports before we wrap this up. Because baseball, apparently, we just got this word, is that they have 41 41 41. players on the roster. They got to narrow that down just a little bit. Got to cut six, is my understanding. I got to get it down to 35 by the end of the semester. That's at least what I gather from the preview video that I've seen and the articles and the interviews with Coach Stankowitz. Which is going to be a tough call. It's always going to be a tough call when you have to let people go, but, you know, you got to let six. I don't think there's, like, a few clear guys that's like, yeah, that's just not going to work out. Like, there's a lot of talented kids on this roster. No, well, here's here's your practice for your baseball futures. you got to come out perform every day. 
Yeah, I mean, there was at one point we were talking about that we were going to try out. Didn't come to fruition, I guess. No, it didn't. That would have been fun, though. I mean, he would have definitely had two cuts there. I don't know. I think I could have made that team, Jack. Maybe that's why we didn't do it. I'm a defensive specialist. Maybe that's why we weren't allowed to do it, because they were afraid that we'd leave the broadcast booth for baseball. I mean, I can multitask. I can broadcast from the field. What, just with your, your headset? Maybe in your no, just have, just have a clip-on mic. Clip-on mic? I mic step into the plate now. 2-2 two, two pitch. What if it hits you in the funny bone? What's your call going to be? Oof, I don't know. How are you going to be able to combat that uh, pain? And I've been hit. You're going to have to quickly adapt and call the play-by-play action while you're just down on the ground on base, sobbing. and I'm going! And I got the steal sign, and the first baseman's just like, what the hell? He did, He wouldn't know what to do with that. Get called out on strike three? Uh, that was a bad call. That was a bad strike three call. What's the umpire gonna do? I'm mic'd up. Yeah, you can't hurt us. We have expensive equipment on. You can't slide. You can't tag us. What yeah, are you gonna I do? Can, I literally cannot. We have legal that. obligations to do our job from both down on the field and up in the broadcast booth. I think it could work. It's a shame. play Should the outfield. Happen? Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Live we'll podcast from within the dugout. We'll get a few baseball interviews in the spring. But uh, to wrap this episode up, again, Believe in GCU, available on Believe.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, tune in wherever you guys get your shows. Again, I believe in my sports. Do you believe? I believe in GCU. I believe in GCU. Let's go. Go Nats. Yes, the Washington Nationals picked up a win last night. You're quick. Kyle's from in Maryland, a, so quick. In a non-GCU-related yeah. quick hit. Being the D.C. sports fan for hockey, baseball, and football, it's nice to have something other than hockey to cheer about for once. So uh, go Nats. Good luck against the Cards. I got the Nats and the Yankees in the World Series. And bringing this back full circle, uh, if you want to sponsor our show for quick ads, go to Believe.com and email uh, our team again at Believe.com. Remember, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you guys get your shows. From everybody here at the Believe in GCU Podcast Network and from Believe Podcast Network alongside Kyle Borg, I'm Jack O'Hara saying have a great rest of your Thursday. And as always, Lopes up. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.